Well, it is a delight to be here at uh, Calvary Baptist Church in Hollister, and it's just a wonderful blessing always to be with God's people in God's house. And it's good to have my, my wife is here with me tonight. It's, that's uh, always a blessing. We've served the Lord for many years together now. Our youngest daughter, Amy, she lives in San Martin, so she was kind of close. She says, well, I, I think I'll drive out to Hollister. And so that's a blessing. And then our best friends, Bob and Nancy Dills, uh, are with us as well this morning. And, and so that is, that is always a joy. I hope you have your Bibles. It's always important to bring your Bibles to church. Um, even if you don't open it, people see you carrying your Bible. That's a good thing, okay? Just uh, carrying a Bible is a good thing. And, and uh, I'll be looking and quoting many different scriptures this morning, and we'll be looking at different scriptures as well. Um, Brother, Brother Dennis had called me earlier in the week, says, do you have a PowerPoint? And I didn't have the heart to tell him I'm old school. <laughs> There's no PowerPoint, okay? If, well, what, scriptures, oh no, they need to open their Bibles and follow along. <laughs> and that's what we'll be doing. It's good to be able to see the scriptures yourself. You want to be able to see it. And you want to, you'll see it on the page. You'll, it's, you need to know it, you need to see it, you need to know where it is, where you can find it in your Bibles. That is a good thing. Now, I love technology, and I think it's great, but oftentimes you go to some churches today and nobody even has a Bible. They don't need the Bible. It's all put up on screens. Y'all, whatever you need to know, they're going to they're gonna show it to you. Hmm, I don't know if that's true or not. I, I wish I had my own Bible. I could see it myself. Anyway, it's good to have your Bible. All that to say... Glad you have your Bibles this morning. Open them, if you would, to the book of Titus. Titus chapter, and we'll be looking at Titus in chapter 2 in just a moment. Titus is a, what we would call a pastoral epistle. It's a great, great little book, three chapters. It's after 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus just before Philemon and Hebrews. There you go, in, in the New Testament. It's a great little book. It's three chapters in length. And uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to Titus, who's on the island of Crete. And in chapter 1, he gives some clear, um, clear pictures and references to, um, to pastoral um, leadership and, 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 and the qualifications. It's good. To, I'm trying to remember your name. He's right here in the front. Help me your name. And good to see you this morning. I've seen you before, and it's good to see you again. But, um, but pastoral leadership. And in chapter 1, in verse number 6, we see clearly the, past, the pastor's home life. The pastor's home life. It says in verse 6, If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot, or, or, or not accused of, or, of riot or unruly. And so we see the, the pastor's home life. We see the pastor's personal life in verse 7 and verse 8. The bishop must be blameless, the steward of, a, of a, a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, nor given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. And so verse 6 is, 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 is his home life, verse 7 and 8 his personal life, and then verse 9 is his, his uh, doctrinal life, his doctrinal life, holding fast 
the faithful word as, be, as he had been taught, that he might be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. I have pastored for 45 years in three different churches. Three different churches, 45 years. The last 25 years was in San Jose at Liberty Baptist. And I must confess to you this morning that it's not easy pastoring a church. Some might think, well, that's the job to get. They work one hour a week, it's over, and uh, that's, that's the job. But it's not. We don't punch a clock, that's right, we don't punch a clock. But we're never off duty. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Somebody calls, something happens, you're there. Have to be careful as a pastor to practice what you preach. There are a lot of pastors get up and they preach a great message, but it seems they don't practice it very well. They want everybody else to do it, but they don't do it themselves sometimes. And uh, I have to be the same in, in the pulpit as I am out of the pulpit. Probably the, the greatest uh, hindrance in pastoral leadership would be that of hypocrisy. Boy, hypocrisy can ruin a ministry quicker than anything I know of. And so you have to be true. Now, there's no perfect pastors, just as there are no perfect church members. Some say, well, I'm looking for the perfect church. If you ever find it, don't join it. <laughs> You're going to mess it up, okay? <laughs> You're going to mess it up. Okay, don't, don't do that. But there are no perfect pastors. There's no perfect church members. But we strive to be, as pastors and leaders, to be the best example that we know to be. Um, Lee Robertson, great pastor of the Highland Park Baptist Church, Chattanooga, Tennessee, founder of Tennessee Temple University, used to say that everything rises and falls on leadership. And I've kind of reworked that saying a little bit. I believe that a pastor will never rise any higher. A, a church will never rise any higher than its pastor. And so pastors are very important. And I want you to know, I'm praying for this church, praying for Hollister, praying for Calvary Baptist. God has the perfect person for this church. I'm confident of that. And God will lead and God will direct. In time, it doesn't happen a snap. Sometimes it does, most of the time it doesn't. And so I want to encourage you, continue to be faithful in your walk and in your walk with the Christ. Well, I want to look at chapter two this morning. Now I want to look at a verse, several verses, and it's in verse number 11. Chapter two and verse number 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity 
and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Have a word of prayer together. To God we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful Lord's Day, a day that we've gathered together to honor you with singing, to honor you with reading of scriptures, to honor you with the giving of our offerings. And Lord, to be able to hear the word of God as it's brought forth. Lord, I pray that you speak to hearts this morning. May your will be done in all things. If there's one here that does not know Christ as our Savior, Lord, may today be that day of salvation. Bless the scriptures, your word, and help me. Ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love being saved. Oh, my goodness. Every true conversion, I believe, is a miracle of God's grace. God's grace. What a wonderful thing it is to be saved. That word saved is a biblical word. We read it often in scriptures. Isaiah 45, 22. God says, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. He says in Mark chapter 1, where, in Matthew chapter 1, where the incarnation of Christ, she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. In Luke 19.10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the door. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans chapter 10, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised thee from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is a great thing to be saved. This morning, I hope that every person here I hope that you have made a decision to receive Christ as your personal Savior and to know that your sins have been forgiven and that heaven is going to be your eternal home. And if not, be it known this morning, Jesus Christ loves you. He died on the cross for you. He rose again that you might have salvation. Well, I hope that you're saved this morning. Well, verse 11, it says... The grace of God. The grace of God. Grace has been defined as God's unmerited favor. I sometimes uh, have taken the word grace and, and, and spelled it out, G-R-A-C-E. For me, G uh, is, it means, uh, means gift. We know that God's grace is a gift. It's a gift of God. It's not of works lest any man should boast, Ephesians chapter 2. It's, it's a gift, and, and that gift, this, uh, this realizing that God's, God's grace is a gift, is a, it's the principle of grace. The letter R represents redemption. Redemption. God's grace has been bestowed that we might be redeemed, that we might be born again. That's the purpose of grace. The purpose of grace is that we might be redeemed we might be a peculiar people, as he says later on in verse number 14. We'll see it in a moment. 
Letter A is access. Because of God's grace, we now have access to the throne of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so G is gift, R is redemption, A is access, C is a changed life. You see, once you have enjoyed the grace of God in salvation, I'm here to tell you, your life is never the same. Not the same. You're going to be changed. You're different. Oh, the Apostle Paul said that uh, old things have passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And so this grace of God that redeems me, it also changes me. And then the last letter, E, stands for eternity. Once you enjoy God's grace, it is, it is forever. It's forever. We now have eternal life. Eternal life. Well, notice in our verse, verse 11, the grace of God that bringeth salvation. This grace of God that I just mentioned to you bringeth salvation. And only God's grace could do that. The law didn't do it. They had the law. That didn't bring salvation. Um, science, we hear a lot today about trust the science. Science can't bring salvation. That, can't, that doesn't work. Psychology doesn't bring salvation. Reformation does not bring salvation. Philosophy does not bring salvation. Humanism does not bring salvation. Salvation comes by grace. By grace. That's what it says. For by grace, for, for, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation. Now, I want you to note that this salvation that, that, that the grace of God brought, it's in Jesus Christ. That's what it says. See, where did it say that? Notice those next two words. Hath appeared. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared. We've seen it. The, the disciple says, we not only saw him, we heard him. Our hands have handled him. Keep a marker here in, in Titus chapter 2. Turn back just a few pages to 1 John chapter 1. In 1 John chapter 1. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which our hands have looked upon, our eyes, uh, which our, uh, we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was... Here's this word, manifested. What does that mean? Made to appear. It was made to appear. It was manifested. And we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, he says, this grace of God that bringeth salvation, in Titus chapter 2, hath appeared. It hath appeared. Now, 
Turn to Luke chapter 1. Let me show you something here. Luke chapter 1. Excuse me, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, we normally look at Luke chapter 2 at Christmas. And usually we're looking at verses 1 down through verse 12, down through verse 14. But later on in the chapter, there's something we don't usually draw much attention to. But there's an older man. There's an older man. He's a godly man. And, and God has told this man that he shall not die until he sees the Christ. He's not going to die until he sees the Christ. This man, his name is Simeon, he goes to the temple all the time. He's looking for something. He's looking for the Christ. And on this day, he sees him. Notice it says, verse 25, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the, the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the, Jew, of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, verse 30, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. See, Pastor, what is you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you in Titus chapter 2, in verse 11, that this grace of God that bringeth salvation, it hath appeared. It's Jesus Christ. Some would say, you believe Jesus Christ is the only way? Absolutely. He is the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's, he's the only way. He's the only way. This grace of God that bringeth salvation, not only is it in Jesus Christ, but it's the gift of God. It's a gift. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, not out, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Um, Romans 6, 23, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared. It's in Christ. It's a free gift. But notice the rest of the verse. It says in, chapter, in Titus chapter 2, it says, to all men. To all men. To everyone. To Jew and Gentile alike. Black or white. Tall. Old or, old or young. It doesn't matter. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to everyone, to all men. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And so we have this wonderful gift that God has given to us in salvation. It's the grace of God that bringeth salvation. Now, if you're here this morning and you have never been saved, you need to receive Christ today. He is the only way to be saved. He is the only way 
that you can have your sins forgiven and have heaven to be your eternal home. It's the only way. It's the only way. You say, Pastor, I am saved. Amen. You're right. I, I believe it. Hebrews, uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. I, 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 yep, you're right. What a great verse. The grace of God, the brain of salvation that's appeared to all men. I want you to notice something very, very important to you that are saved. You are saved. Notice that verse. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Did you note the punctuation? It's not a period. That didn't end it. What? This grace of God that bringeth salvation. You know, some people have this idea that I'm saved, that's good enough, I'm, I'm going to heaven, I'm all right. But wait, that didn't end it. Once you have accepted this wonderful grace of salvation, that same grace of God that saved you, notice what else it does, verse 12. It teaches you. Huh? The grace of God teaches us. Teaches us what? It teaches us to say no and yes. We say no to some things and yes to others. What do we say no to? We, say, we, we deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We say no to those things. We turn our back on those things. We, oh, I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. I, I'm going to turn from those. And I'm going to live God. I'm going to say yes to righteousness. I'm going to say yes to, to living godly. I'm going I'm to say yes to living righteously in this present world. Right now. So, well, I'm going to wait till I get to heaven. No, no, we do it now. We do it now. Now, I don't know if this is what I'm about to say has ever happened to you. I'm sure that it has. It's happened to me on many different occasions. And I'm sure it's happened to you. You've, you've been someplace. Maybe, it's, maybe you're walking down the street. Maybe you're at the mall. Maybe you're out to eat. No, no, no. You're, you're someplace and there's some people. And you see someone pass you. And if you don't say something, you think it. Right? I mean, you're thinking something, and then sometimes I'll, I'll even say to, my, I'll say to my wife, Honey, was that a man or a woman? I can't tell. Right? I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I, hair, I, I don't know. The way they dress, the way they, I, is it a man or a woman? Can I tell you something? As a Christian, someone who's been saved, you've experienced this grace of God that brings salvation, it's time for we as Christians to be identifiable. They should be able to see us. They should be able to... Listen, if they see you walking down the street, they should know you're a man. And if they see you walking down the street and you're a woman, you, they should know you're a woman. I mean, I don't... It should be identifiable. I believe it should also be identifiable, identifiable if we're Christians. We're, it's by the things we do, by the places we go, by the way we dress. We are to be identifiable in Christ. It's this grace of God that teaches us, that teaches us. Look at Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Turn just a few pages. Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to see something here that you've read many times. It says, 
in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. And wherein in time past, before you got saved, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. He says, this is the way you were before you got saved. Before you got saved. And then he comes to verse 4. Oh, amen for verse 4. He says, but God, comma, stop there. Don't you love the but gods in the Bible? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I love those but if, Listen, you want to have a hallelujah time? You need to just get your little computer out and put in your King James Bible and type in the words, but God, and see the verses that pop up. I'm telling you, you'll start reading those verses and you'll go, my goodness. Remember when Joseph, Joseph has uh, been, been hated by his brothers, sold into slavery. He's now in a position of power in Egypt and the brothers have come to buy food, to buy wheat, buy, buy, buy stock. And Joseph is going to reveal himself. Remember that? He reveals himself to his brothers. His brothers now look at him and go, uh-oh, we're in trouble. This is the same brother we tried to kill. This is the same brother we sold to slavery. But as you look, as you kept on reading, it says, Joseph looks at his brothers and says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. But God. But God raised him from the dead, Jesus Christ. But God knoweth the hearts. But, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul said, I have, I have planted, Apollos has watered, but God gave the increase. Oh, hallelujah for all these, these but gods that we find in the Bible. Uh, there is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man, but God, but God is faithful. And that he will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will, with that temptation make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. Oh, but God. He says in verse 4 here, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus verse 7 that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it's a gift of God it's not of works lest any man should boast. Oh, this, this grace of God, Titus chapter 2, that bringeth salvation, it also teaches us. It teaches us that we're to live godly. We're to live righteously. We're to live holy in this present world. 
we live for Christ. Well, he continues. It didn't end. For the grace of God, which bringeth salvation, hath appeared to all men, comma, teaching us the denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, semicolon. We still haven't got to a period yet. This same thought has continued. Say, well, I just thought it was the grace of God that saved me. Oh, it's that grace of God that, that, that saves you, yes, but it also teaches you. And it's semicolon. And then he says, verse 13, looking, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Every Christian I know, listen, we are looking forward to that day when Christ comes. Oh, the song says, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face. Here's the verse. The one who saved me by his grace and he takes me by the hand and leads me through that promised land. What a day glorious day that will be. Oh, we're looking forward to that day when we're going to see Jesus. What a day that will be. And the verse says, there'll be no sorrows there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there. And forever we will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. This grace of God that brings salvation, it teaches me, it teaches me to live right, to live godly, to live holy in this present world. And all the time I'm looking forward to that day when Jesus comes. John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Oh, it's the grace of God hath appeared to all men, comma, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, semicolon, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, semicolon, who gave himself for us. He gave himself for us. He died upon a cross and rose again. Why? That he might redeem you. That he, right, that he might redeem us from, oh, I love these next words, all iniquity. All iniquity. It's so wonderful to know that we, we have a God who loves us and cares and will forgive us. He'll, I don't care what you've done this morning. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what's happened in your life. The Lord God Almighty can forgive you. 
He can forgive me. Now, sometimes we have difficulty forgiving ourselves, right? Sometimes it's hard to forgive ourselves. Oh, how could I have let that happen? Oh, what was I thinking? How could I have done such a thing? But I'm telling you, the Lord God Almighty, he died and gave himself up that he might redeem us from all iniquity and to purify unto himself a peculiar people. Now, I've always known that. Christian people are some of the most peculiar people you ever meet. Some of them are quite strange. But it's biblical. We're, we're peculiar. We're to be zealous of good works. We are a redeemed people. Those that have been saved, you are a redeemed people. You, we are a cleansed people. Um, Psalm 119, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed thereto, according to thy word. And so we're, we're a redeemed people, we're a cleansed people, and we are to be a zealous people. Well, there's a, a song. It's a favorite song of a lot of Christians. A lot of Christians. Many Christians. In fact, I'm going to say the name in just a moment, and maybe it's your favorite. If not your favorite, it's definitely one of the top. It's in the top ten. Definitely. Without a doubt. And it's amazing, as I look at the words of that song, the author, his name is John Newton. John Newton. And as I look at the words of that song, I'm thinking, man, he must have been reading Titus chapter 2. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, and now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Remember how the second verse starts? Twas grace that taught me. It was grace that taught me my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Then that last verse, it's looking for that blessed hope. Remember what it says? When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Oh, I want to tell you this morning, God's grace, God's grace. The Apostle Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. It's the grace of God. It's that grace of God that saved me. It's that grace of God that teaches me. It's that grace of God that causes me to keep looking for that blessed hope of one day seeing him who gave himself for us to redeem us. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one's looking. I want to ask you this morning, do you know Christ as your Savior? Are you saved today? 
Do you know him? I hope this morning that you'd be able to say, yes. I remember the day that I received Christ as my Savior. Oh, that was a great day in my life. A great day. For me, I, I've been saved now for over 60 years. Oh, still, the greatest day in my life was that day that I fell on my knees and asked God Almighty to save me through Jesus Christ. This morning, are you saved? If not, I'd love to show you from the Bible how you can be. Say, Pastor, I am saved. I've been saved a long time. In fact, I've been saved longer than you have. That grace of God that saves you, it's that same grace that teaches you. That teaches you. Teaches you how to live for God. That's what we want to do. We want to live for Him. I can be honest this morning. I visit a lot of churches anymore. And a lot of churches, we're a Bible-believing church. You know what we should be looking for? I, I want to hear somebody say, we're a Bible-living church. We're going to live the Bible. We're going to live the way God wants us to live. We're going to run the race that he set before us.